Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. So I went to Disney World for the first time. I know it's random. Hey, guys, Brown Ambition, blah, blah, blah. I'm Tiffany. That's Mandy. But let's get to the important stuff. (laughs) Disney World. And um, I saw pictures. Your mom is super cute from your your bridal shower. Wow, I can't keep up. We're all over. (laughs) I am. (laughs) I just woke up from a nap, so I'm loopy. I'm like, ooh, so many things. Okay, I'm five. (laughs) Disney World. Okay. For the first time ever, you went to Disney World? Yeah, I didn't oh, go as a kid. My dad and mom were like, yeah, there's five of you, so that's not happening. Oh, man. what? Oh, so just for the hell of it, or were you down there for for work already? Well, yeah, so um, the team and I, we were relaunching and reopening the Literature Academy. Um, and so there's some things that we just wanted to do in person. And we always promised ourselves the next time, like the core team, the next time we reopen the academy and launch it again, um, that we would do it someplace warm. Because I think the first time was like in Jersey and like in the winter. (laughs) So we all flew down to Orlando. And um, the last day we were kind of out there, um, our our director, he does like all our videos and stuff. He was like, I'm going to Disney World tomorrow. You guys want to come? And I was like, "Um, the happiest place in the world on earth? Uh, Yeah. And it was indeed the happiest place on earth. I had such a fun time. What's the going rate for Disney World right now? I have no I think, idea. I think it was like a hundred and ten or twenty dollars, but we had the hookup. Holla if you hear me. Um, I'm not certain how much we should. I should talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. So we met somebody who worked at Disney, and let's just say we didn't have to pay full price. So you got a friends <laughs> and family discount. Yeah, is what we'll call it. <laughs> a cash only friends and family discount meanwhile so we say- anyone who sweat their life out waiting in line at disney world as a child me um is a little bitter about that but that's okay <laughs> so we just had such a good time um yeah what it was i mean i could see how a parent bringing a kid would be very overwhelming because it's just a lot, you know, but like as like three adults who can like be like yeah we don't want to do that we want to do this um, it was just really a lot of fun. Um, I feel like that is the way to do Disney World. Like my parents took us all th- three of us. Well, there's four of us, but they took the three of us a, a few times. Um, I guess when they had four, they were like, hell no. Nah. But um, <laughs> they took three of us. And I'm a, I was like under the age of five. And I look at photos and every photo I'm like, I look sad. I'm crying. I'm like pitching a fit. And I'm like, man, maybe they should have waited until I was old enough to appreciate <laughs> the experience and, and not just whining because you know I had to walk around Disney World but the the like the good parts like the one of the 
best things that I have from that time. It's like all the little videos, home videos, old school videos um, of my family at Disney World. They were, it wasn't all like dramatic Mandy moments, but um, yeah. Did you know that you could, well, one of the things I did recently was I found all my dad's and my mom's old VHS tapes and I, Mm -hmm. it wasn't cheap, but I went and got them like converted into digital files and DVDs. Because they were like falling apart. I mean, the tape was coming out, and I wanted a way to preserve those memories. And I, I went to Walgreens. I wonder if anyone out there has been to a better, like, has an idea of a better service. But I, we just picked Walgreens randomly, and it took a couple weeks. But um, now it's really cool because now we have them like online. That's awesome. I think it was maybe twenty bucks per DVD. I want to say. Um, I spent a couple hundred bucks on it, but that was for maybe totally six worth DVDs. It. Yeah, I, I think yeah. so. Yeah, because it's like these are things you're never going to be able to see again. We weren't really like a videoing family. I mean, we took a lot of pictures, but not really a whole lot of video. Um, or I'm trying to think, maybe we did. Who knows? Because, you know, we all had those little video cameras. I think my dad does have, I should look, because that would be great to look back and be like, oh my gosh, look at young Tiff acting it's like a brat. Best. It's the best. <laughs> Well, that's really awesome. Well, joke's on you because the weather here was, like, amazing this week. I know. <laughs> and meanwhile, it was, like, raining. And I was like, are you kidding me, Orlando? What? Get it together. I know. Two days. The first two days. Well, those were the days we were kind of, like, holed up in the house. So what we did was um, it was just cheaper because so, we were all flying from different places. Like, like the my marketing and business partner, he was, like, flying from, like, I don't even know. He's always in some part of Thailand. Um, the director was flying from like Columbia or something like that. Uh, my COO Sierra was flying from Philly and I was actually flying in from Boston cause I was in Boston to do a speaking event. So we were literally all flying in from like all around the world. Um, and then we just got a, um, a really dope, um, Airbnb. So it was like four bedroom, three bathroom. And we were there for, I think like four days. And so the first two and a half, three days were really just like 10, to 12 hour workday. So like a lot of folks were like, Oh my God, I wish I was there. I'm like, no, you don't. It was brutal. Cause so we'd go to bed. Like, a wor- like an offsite. Yes. Because basically. we had to, really, cause you wanted to focus. Cause you know, w- when you're home, like uh, there's so many distractions, but here it's re- literally like wake up, eat, work, go to sleep. Right. Um, cause we just really wanted to make sure that this was going to really be the last time we, we, we launched the Academy again. Um, and so, we really wanted to like go out with like a bang. And so we were just like, let's get core team in one place so we could just focus. And there were like literally no distractions. It was like either you're working or you're sleeping or eating. That's it. And then the last day we were like, you know what? Almost everything is done. We did a little work in the morning. And, you know, when JP or, you know, our director said, let's go to Disney. I was like, yeah, let's do it. I bought my Mickey Mouse ears or Minnie Mouse ears. You know, me and Sierra, my CEO, we were like giddy the whole time. Like, oh my God, I'm like, oh, we're here. I love that you brought your own ears because you knew they'd be like twenty five dollars. No, 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 no. I mean, I bought them. I mean, meaning I bought them at at Disney, but no. Oh, got to okay. Discount, you know, because you know, got that hookup. Holla if you hear me. But we had so much fun. Honestly, we were terrible. We were like, so what is this fast pass, Elaine? Can we just go on the other side? I guess we can. The difference between a one hour wait and a three minute wait. Yes, I did, and I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not mad at you. Right, Disney hacks. <laughs> well, listen, we can't. We have to talk about the Oscars, right? Yeah, we do. Yeah, I, I know you probably didn't watch it. Don't worry, I watched it for you. Okay, the entire thing except for the last twenty seconds, which turned out to be the most important twenty I seconds heard. of the night. 
So I think like a lot of people, as soon as La La Land was announced as Best Picture winner, I was like, okay, it's 11.40. I need to go to sleep. It's fine. I don't need to hear their speech. You know, sad. I was sad that Moonlight didn't win, but like at the same time, I really liked La La Land. So I didn't go to bed. I didn't go to bed angry. But I woke up at like six and I was scrolling through like Twitter and Facebook and I was so confused. I was like, what is all this moonlight? And like, and then I saw the video. That is crazy. Yeah. Do you think it was on purpose, like a joke? No, 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 no. So I have been following um, uh, all the news today and they finally figured out what happened. So essentially at this award, at the Oscars, PricewaterhouseCoopers um, is this huge accounting firm and they are in charge for the last 80 years of counting the ballots and creating the envelopes that announce the winners. And they keep them under lock and key. There's two people assigned and they each have one briefcase and one person is standing on either end of the stage just to be ready for whichever side the presenters come out. So if you come from the left, you get an envelope from that person. If you come from the right, then the other person hands you their envelope. And everything went fine the whole night. And then when they got to Best Picture, the guy who was handing the envelope to the presenter, who was who were Faye Dunaway and Warren Beatty, mm-hmm. handed them the wrong envelope, handed them his copy of the Best Actress um, winner, who the other person who had the car, the other, his counterpart on the other side had already handed out her Best Actress envelope to the other presenter. Um, So he had one left because that presenter hadn't come from his side. And instead of handing the best picture envelope, he handed the best actress. But what Mm. boggles the mind is that Warren Beatty, if you watch it, like if you were watching live like I was, I was like, why is he trying to make this drag out and be funny about it? Because he like opened it and looked and he smirked and then he showed it to Faye and he's like, you know, like it, it felt like he was screwing with everyone. And I was like, just say it. And then Faye is like, "Ugh, it's La La Land. Um, and it turns out it, what he had, why he was so confused is because it said best actress mm. Emma Stone for La La Land, but they read it anyway, which is like, if I, I don't know. I mean, I guess you can say yeah. what you would do in their shoes, but yeah. I mean, like, like someone should have been like, wait a second, let's figure out what is happening before. And then it took over two minutes. Like La La Land then was up there. Like three people had given speeches. <laughs> three. And then you see you see a guy with like a headset kind of milling and you see some confused faces in the crowd behind the people giving speeches. Um, and all of a sudden, uh, the guy who's giving a speech cuts himself off and he's like, actually, guys, we lost. And then the I forget, I don't know who exactly it was. One of the producers held up the correct envelope and said, Moonlight, there's been a mistake. You guys won. <gasps> yeah. It what in the entire holy cr- heckin' heck? Crazy, crazy. And then the Moonlight cast is like, and he had to keep saying, it's not a joke, it's not a joke, you guys won. Um, and he held up the envelope and the camera got it. And you can see <laughs> Moonlight, best picture. And then, of course, everyone in the, like, Tar- <laughs> there was a great meme of, like, Taraji and Octavia. Taraji's face, just, like, the whole night. They should have just had a camera on her face for <laughs> every moment. She is the best. Um, everyone just, like, lost their minds. Um, that's, ne- like, that's never happened, ever. I mean, there was one time I read, like, in the 60s when Sammy, Sammy Davis Jr. messed up the... Uh, the music, like the best song winner or something like that, but not, never best picture. That's what, best picture is like the Oscar. Yeah, that's the reason everyone watches for three and a half, four hours. Um, so, wow. <laughs> and so there's been all, you know, of course there's been like think pieces on, um, you know, stealing the moment from Moonlight 
and you know they they were sort of robbed of their whole win or whatever i mean this is a film with an all-black cast about a gay teenager being bullied and um his mother who's a crack addict and he's taken in by a drug dealer in his neighborhood and it shows his his like journey through adult from childhood to adulthood and you see three versions of his life i mean like this is a type of black film that's never won best picture never ever like it's not about slavery it's not about some you know sexual someone being sexually assaulted it's not about it's not a negative you know it's 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 a it's a lgbtq story about a black boy for boy what on so many levels it's groundbreaking it's based on a play like i mean and Muslim, the fact that it won, Muslim, yes. um, yeah, the, the, um, he was the first Muslim to ever win uh, an, an Oscar, was it? Yeah, right, Ma- the, um... yeah Mahershala Ali won, had just had won. He was like the first award of the night. He won Best Supporting Actor um, for playing Juan in the movie, who was the drug dealer, sort of like godfather to Sharon, who's the boy, um, or Chiron, who's the boy in the film. But anyway, so like you, you, you could you understand why people were like, it was already going to be historic for them to win, but the fact that they won... Like in that way, some people were upset that they felt like the the beauty and like the purity of that win yeah. was lost. But then I kind of, I don't know, it almost became like a, the way that they handled it, the way that La La Land handled it, and the way that Barry Jenkins handled it, I thought was really beautiful. Because mm-hmm. as soon as Barry got up there, he was thanking the La La Land producer, he's like, that was, that was so gracious. I don't know what I would have done in that position. Mm. I mean, to find out that you won and then you lost, like that's freaking embarrassing and like crushing. Yeah, no, it is because it's not their fault. It's not the La La Land cat's fault. Yeah. So it's, but yeah. you're right. Like I did see some interviews with, like Emma Stone and stuff after, and she was just like, you know, she was like, honestly, is it disappointing? Yeah, of course. But honestly, I love Moonlight. And she just was gushing about it. And I thought, you know, that despite all of that, that it, and even I, like you said, I mean, you don't know what you do if you're up there. I know the warm baby's like, what the entire hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> he came out later. He's like, I just want to explain what happened. And he's kind of, and then Jimmy Kimmel, the host, he, I thought he did a, you know, the best he could trying to like, de- like deflect or not deflect, but um, like calm down that he cracked a Stevie, um, Stevie, Steve Harvey joke. He was like, mm-hmm. I blame Steve Harvey for this. <laughs> that was good. If you, if you ever get in trouble, just blame Steve Harvey. Just blame, because I mean, but I was like, that's Miss America. This is the, the freaking I Academy Awards. Yay! But all drama, you know, all that aside, like Moonlight is, I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, watch it. It is beautiful. And then watch Moonlight too, because it's beautiful. I've said before, it's so impossible to compare the two movies. They are too different, I think. Um, to say one is better than the other. I think they're both extraordinary for what they are, but Moonlight, like there's never, like in terms of like originality, the the subject matter, there was not another, there's never been a film like it. I'll shut up no. now, but you should go see it. Uh, no, that sounds awesome. I mean, on a less high note, um, have you followed this Remy Ma, um, Nicki Minaj beef? <laughs> Laughing. You got me way all the way I down. know. <laughs> I was like, while we're here. Oh, no. I just thought, like, we I hardly know who Remy Ma is. Can I admit that? No, that's fine. Like, I really I'm... don't. I think I saw her on, or him on Spotify. Is it her, her. or him? Yikes. Yikes. You almost had it. Her. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Millennials are like, who's Remy Ma? I think it's hilarious when I'm like, millennials are like, oh, my God. This thing is going to give Remy Ma, like, a, a whole career. I'm like, girl. Remy Ma was here. She was here. She was. Before Nicki Minaj was anything, there was Remy Ma. So she was like, back in the day when they used to have like rap crews, they still have somewhat, but 
like how Young Money, which is Drake and like, you know, or Cash Money, um, Drake and, and, and um, Little Wayne and all of them. So back then, Terror Squad was like a crew, which was Fat Joe, Remy Ma. Um, oh, what is the other guy's name? That um, Big Pun. So they were like all Hispanic for the most part. I'm thinking, is Remy Ma Hispanic? I think so. So anyway, she was like the girl of that crew. How like Little Kim was like the girl crew with like um, Junior Mafia and Big, um, okay. you know. So anyway, so Remy Ma, um, she got into trouble for beating up and allegedly shooting um, one of her friends over money, I think, or whatever. She went to jail for a long time, like nine years. Um, and then she came out. So she was she went to jail really at the height of her. She was just starting to really build her her career. She went to jail for doing that, came back um, and then landed a spot on Love and Hip Hop, where oddly enough, she wasn't really the drama one. Like, you know, like everybody else on those Love and Hip Hop kind of shows is all about dramatics. But her her storyline on there is really about her and her husband who like waited for her. They got married right before she she um went away. She I think they actually got married while she was in prison. And um I don't know. It's it's oddly beautiful their love story and how much he loves her. Um so oh. that oh oh okay I'm trying to catch up <laughs> while you're talking. <laughs> Wait, is it's this so- like the Mink Mill Drake beef of 2016? Yeah, kind of a girl because they haven't really had female rap hip hop beef in a long time. Wasn't she like beefing with um Lil Kim? No, so so Nicki Minaj was a little bit beefing with Lil' Kim because I guess Kim felt that Nicki kind of basically stole her whole swag, which I'm not going to say I disagree with. I mean, you know, Nicki's like, when you really look at Lil' Kim and like even some of the way she dresses, the way Nicki dressed at first and some of her inflections and cadence and stuff like that, I'm not going to totally disagree. So, but you know, but no one has really been able to, when they've kind of come at Nicki, really make a dent. And then enter in Remy Ma, a.k.a. Gangsta Boo. And so she, I guess, um, uh, Remy has been putting out music. And actually, surprisingly, because, you know, you don't often get a chance to come back. Her music has been doing well. She just got nominated for a Grammy. She had a song out where people were like, ooh, are you talking about Nicki? And she specifically addressed it and said no. Like in an interview, she said, I'm not talking about Nicki. Stop trying to make beef between rap women. But I guess Nicki felt like she was talking about her. So Nicki went on to do, I think, two cameos where she clearly was dissing uh, Remy Ma. So Remy Ma came out with a song called Sheether, which is the play on Ether. I don't know if you remember the, I don't know how you could not remember the Jay-Z Nas beef, mm. which was put to bed by Nas's epic, most epic diss record of all time, Fight Me If You Want, called Ether, where he kills Jay-Z on, on, on this record. And so she did like a play on it called Sheether with the same beat. And although I was not like super impressed with the flow and stuff, just the things that she was saying were like, whoa, the part that really struck me wasn't really anything else other than the financial part. I was like, wow, because, you know, me, finance. So here's the part that struck me for those of you who are like, where's all this going? The financial piece. I was like, so Remy Ma says in this rap, um, Nikki, you have a 360 deal, which is supposed to be like the worst deal in the in the in the record industry. And what that deal is, is like a major record label gets a, like a, a major um, artist. So let's just say Lil Wayne. And then Lil Wayne is under or, or signs somebody like a, a, a Drake. So Lil Wayne now has his own record label under that label. And then Drake has his own record label under Lil Wayne. So basically it's like major record label, major artist record label under them, then major artist under them's record label. So like three record labels and then they sign Nicki. So like, that's like, I mean, that's not exactly what happened, but 
I think she said first it's like Republic, then cash money, then then young money or something like that. And she says in the rap that five people touch your money before you do, because it's one of the worst deals because one, you're not directly signed. So you're, you're not, it's bad enough that a label gets a cut, but it's like main label gets a cut. Secondary label gets a cut. Third label gets a cut before you get a cut. And then on top of that, with this 360 deal, apparently you are responsible for paying for everything. So you're, you have to pay for your tour. You have to pay for your, for your um, videos. You have to pay for everything before you get any money. So it's very difficult. Although Nikki is very successful, Remy Ma said, "You know, you can say what you want, but I own all my publishing. I own the rights and the masters to all my music." So she was like, "For every one record I sell, for you to make the same amount of money, you have to sell ten. And I just thought that that was really interesting. Like, wow, that people were still signing deals that put them in a financial um, space like that, where. Like you, we've all like, you know, seen like, you know, you, you hear about a uh, new edition, all of these kind of like old school musical acts that like TLC that got $1 for going on tour because basically the label charges them to be an artist and owns all of their rights. And I just thought, wow, Nikki has a deal like that. So that's the part that kind of interests me. Like, wow. Now, see, where was Remy Ma when Nikki needed a mentor and a woman to help her navigate these treacherous waters of like In the jail. music business? But like... <laughs> You know how it is. I'm trying to think of a teaching moment out of all this. And it's like, at, a, at what point do you, I mean, competition among women in professional careers is always like, you know, it's hyped, you know, it's people love it. People love the cattiness and stuff like that. But at the same time, I feel like, you know, we should, there's a, there's a lot of cases or maybe not as like, but doesn't get publicized as when women actually help women and don't use each other to get into the limelight and Disney. yeah it's just and it's, and well, it's mean and like nikki was young when she signed that contract i bet i know i bet she knows it's a shitty deal yeah i'm sure and regrets but I, it it's also hip-hop like honestly i know a lot of people said yeah, they're like it's oh, it's it is it's, yeah and, and as long as to me it's like you know part of hip-hop history that you know you're who can be the most clever with their words of really like exposing the other person but like only on words like like the jay-z nas beef I'm, honestly like you know jay-z went on to continued success as did Nas and we have an epic like rap battle that we look back on and they're cool now so I don't mind hip-hop beef because it's part of hip-hop so I don't mind you know that I guess I was just like wow it's just interesting because one of my cousins works in the music industry he's actually like the uh the A&R global A&R for one of these major labels he's really young too um but he's worked for almost all of the labels you can think of what you, all the labels that cater to um hip-hop and um, he's actually signed Katy Perry um, his name is Chris Anacute, and he used to tell me all the time that he once came to speak um, at a at a boys and girls club, and they were asking him. He's a, he was one of the people that helped to break Rihanna. Like upon the replay, he signed the guy that wrote that song for Rihanna, and so he would say all the time that you know, oftentimes the musicians on the road are making more than the artists. So he was like, like for example, if you're on the road and you have like say like a a piano player, they are guaranteed a salary of like, okay, they're making sixty, eighty thousand dollars a year. The musician is not, because their money comes after everyone else is paid. And I thought, thought that was so fascinating back then. And he was like, you know, if you're in the music industry to to grow wealth, that being in front of the camera is not the place to do it. So he that that was kind of like his role to kind of teach the kids of all the ways you could be part of the music industry that actually makes money without having to pick up a microphone. Because these other ways make way more. And I thought, wow, he was kind of listing artists that 
well, I won't list them, but like artists back then that he was like, nope, no money, no money. Oh yeah, money, no money, no money. <laughs> and I was like, wow. So sometimes I people look like at that's why was- everyone lost their mind when Chance the Rapper won the Grammy. Yeah. Because like, that's a self-made, I mean, he doesn't have a label. I mean, he was like, he, he thinks SoundCloud in his speech, you know what I mean? Like, yes, which is dope though, because yeah. what he's doing single-handedly, honestly, is changing the industry because the, the fact is, you know, the, the music industry is, really leans upon taking advantage of art and people's people's um one their eagerness to want to get their music and their their talent out there and two their their lack of knowledge of how things actually work and chances like no you will not take advantage of me no you will not own my voice i remember there was a um there was a a case where i forget who it was it was a singer who had finally left the record label and they owned that singer's um i guess material and he went on to do another album and they sued him for copyright infringement. And they went to court for it. They were like, yeah, your album sounds like this other album. He's like, it's me. <laughs> like, what do you mean? So basically, they're like, you can't sound like yourself on your new album. And I thought, wow, how terrible. So it's just a lesson to anyone starting a business, anyone. Especially artists. With- like there's, yeah. more, I think, more vulnerable like group of professionals than working artists who are just struggling to get by. Exactly. That you have to own and keep ownership of your things because if not, um, at least majority ownership, if not, then you put yourself in a position to, you know, literally see your product grow and make money and not be able to benefit from that. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I didn't launch the Brown Ambition, why I decided to do this on my own with us, you know, as an independent venture, because I could have launched it with Yahoo and was, you know, I was with Yahoo at the time, but the idea of like, you know, you know how things work when you're attached to a huge company like that. And it's, you become mm-hmm. sort of like another, another project and you have to meet metrics and you have to sort of like fight for your fight, you know, f- get input from outside voices. And like, it sort of, yeah, it becomes less about you. And, and I was like, I want to something that can stand on its own two feet. And that if I leave, it's not like it's tied to this. Um, it's sort of like, like, like diversifying, Mm-hmm. Or and you do the same thing with you. You you write your eBooks and you don't go through a publisher and then you get what like seventy percent of the profits mm-hmm. versus like eleven percent if you were to use um, a full. If publisher. I'm lucky, if I know somebody lucky. who was like literally like um like our fairy our fairy finance mother. Uh, she shared that like honestly, she's like uh like her money like when it comes to book sales mostly comes from her independent books that she has books that New York Times bestsellers and she has books that um have been published traditionally but she was like those books help to fuel the sales of the books that actually make her money and I've, I've had a book agent come up to me just last year you know after selling like so many of like because by then I had three best-selling books on Amazon and an agent approached me and was like you know we really like to talk to you about maybe traditional publishing and I said okay so we had a meeting and when we broke down the numbers and I was telling her, you know, like how much I was making and my audience size. And she kind of was like, so <laughs> I'm going to be honest. There's no reason for you to sign with me. And I was like, really? She was like, yeah. She was like, I mean, we're not going to get 70%. She was like, you know, typically I could tell you, oh, we could expose you to a larger audience. You've already built your audience. Mm-hmm. She said, the only thing I could say is that if you sign with a larger publisher, you know, oftentimes we're able to get you on more national television more regularly because we pitch in a group. So, you know, a larger publisher has like really great contacts at Good Morning America or Today Show and says, hey, we've got like five different authors with books out. Pick one that you want to have on. 
But she was like, even that, it looks like your publicist is doing a pretty good job. So she was like, I'm not going to lie. Like, that's what we're, that's what we're here for. One, larger audience. And, and, and two, media. She was like, but you have those things. So I, I'm not saying you, you shouldn't sign, but I don't know that we're going to do better for you than you're doing for yourself. So that was a really powerful affirmation. And like, okay, you can do it yourself. Is it longer? Yeah. But to me, it's worth it because when that, that book money comes in, I know people who, when they go in an event, they can't even sell their own book. It's not theirs. Like if you go to an event and you're speaking in the front of the room as a keynote speaker and you're like, ooh, let me sell some books in the back. They have to call the publisher. The publisher brings the books, someone to sell it. It takes the money and the books back with them. And you're like, oh, okay, I guess I'll see my, my, my 11% later on in my check this week. Not me. As soon as you give me cash, that is all mine. <laughs> mine is like what the cost of the books. BYOB, be your own boss. Yes, Lord. Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. So, Should we move along? Yes. Yeah, so, well, real quick. Like, so that was really cute. Your mom looked so adorable. I was like, I can see how you guys look alike. I'm like, look at her. Your mom get a little shoulder action. Love. <laughs> yeah. So on Saturday, I had my bridal shower, which was which wasn't as terrible as I thought it might be. I was really like weary of the whole bridal shower thing. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna sit here and open presents. It seemed lame, but like the fact that like as I when I finally got there, I was like, oh, I, I get it. This is this is perfect because. My so my in-laws who are Dominican live in you know Inwood have never met my friends have never met my um, bridesmaids and my mother obviously had never met anybody and my friends had never met my other you know my mother or my my future in-laws and my future aunts-in-law my my mother-in-law's sisters and like it was it was like clashing of the worlds in the in the best way possible. I mean, we had to translate everything from Spanish from English to Spanish and like while that seems like it would be a headache, it was actually really fun to like we were playing all these games and it was funny like at one point we were playing bingo. And my bridesmaids didn't know this, but like my mother-in-law stays at bingo every day for like the last two decades she has been going to bingo every night like <laughs> on the way to the shower she was bragging because she had just won 200 bucks and like um she's just obsessed she's obsessed with bingo and so like that was the great universal thing at the shower Aww. and like once the bingo and I was like it was just a stupid bingo game it was like we're gonna pull names of utensils like names of cooking supplies out of a bowl and then you know I it felt like it would have been like a really lame game but it brought everyone together and it was I don't know it was just really beautiful and and I I had a really great time and I gotta thank my girls because they did they did me proud and they you know 
I, I, I'm like a control freak. So that I, I was really trying to like get in there and like, what can I do? And what do you need? And like, but they kept me at bay and I'm glad they did because they did a good job. Um, I learned to trust. <laughs> I like learned to trust. And I was like, you go. look at I was like, oh, man, it looks so pretty. I was like, what's this new, what, what product are you using in your hair? Your, your curls were popping. I know. Uh, yeah. My, my curls are happening. Um, Miss Jessie's. I discovered really? Miss Jessie's. Yeah. Okay. I gave up everything else. And I, 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 you know, like you get the older you get, the, you, the more you realize you just have to try every single damn thing until you find mm-hmm. out what works for you. Um, and I finally found Miss Jessie's and I love her and I need, we're going to have her on the show soon because <gasps> I need to tell her how much I love her. Um, are you just claiming that or no, no, like, no, 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 no. It's, it's happening. Like I've been in touch <gasps> with her people. It just hasn't oh, happened yet. MG. So. <laughs> Yo, I love her. She's like one of the original, like back when I first started getting like going natural and like Miss Jessie's, you know, there were hardly anybody really like teaching like brown girls, like what to do with their hair. And I remember like them being like one of the like pioneer businesses to like to speak to another brown girl who started a business for brown girls, like all types of brown girls. It's just so inspiring because, you know, that's what I do as a budgetista. Like it's a brown girl who with a business for brown girls. So I would, you know, I'm going to totally geek out. I'm not going to lie. Do you want to do questions again this week? Um, sure. Do you have any brown break or brown boost before oh, you right. get to- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I can do a, yeah, we can do brown break, brown boost, and then questions. Yep. Okay. <laughs> We're both like, wait, who's going first? Well, we need, do you want to do an intro and then we'll, then I can go okay. first. Okay. So now that we've talked about everything under the sun from the Oscars to Mandy's awesome bridal shower to get out, it is time to boost it or break it. Do, 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 do. It's brown boost, brown break time. Mandra, what will you be doing today? Oh, it's Mandra now. Um, <laughs> it's sticking. It always does. It always does. I think I had a really bad day today, so I'm going to try and be positive. And I'm going to boost one of my favorite. So I've boosted some of my favorite tools before. I think I talked about the Level Money app. I forget what I boosted before, but I'm going to boost Google Drive today. Mm. I know people, you may think you know what Google Drive is all about, but Google Drive is literally the only thing that keeps me sane. Um, And it's the only thing that I use and I have trained everyone at magnify money on Google Drive, you know, sometimes kicking and screaming. But if you don't use Google Drive and you like you use different documents and you're constantly switching from like, well, especially if you're editing or you're changing a document or you're collaborating on projects together Mm -hmm. um, in your workplace, Google Drive is where it's at. It is like the one thing Google, not the one thing, but, you know, Google's came out with some duds, right? Yeah. Buzz, um, Google, I forget what the other things were the 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 bad chat thing like the google hangouts or like google plus like all that crap they should have just stopped the drive because it's perfect and it's amazing and it's everything in the cloud and it's where i keep you know maybe i won't say it's where i keep all my passwords yeah (laughs) it's probably a bad idea um anyway google drive is awesome and it replaced it's free uh, if you have Gmail and it replaces for me, it replaces Word, it replaces Excel, it, ex- it replaces PowerPoint, it replaces all that crap that you pay for, like in Microsoft Suite, um, which is why I've always loved it. I've never had to pay for any of that stuff anymore. And it's in the cloud. So everything that I do, my collaborators can see and it's easy to share. And this is not a paid endorsement. I promise. <laughs> I will do something similar. I'm going to boost. 
And I am going to boost Slack. I don't know if you've ever heard of Slack before. I think you've used this as a boost before. Have I? Well, then, okay, I'll do something else. Um, I about Slack. <laughs> I am going to boost. Ooh, I'm going to boost first class. So for the first time ever, uh, just this past week, I actually paid for my very first first class ticket. And I was debating over it over and over and over again. Um, I guess maybe more so boost upgrades. And so because I, I was flying out of Boston and going to Orlando and I said, oh, I really don't want to sit and coach. It's tight. Not for this long flight. Um, no, not over three hours. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> so I mean, I've flown first class before, but usually it's because like maybe a company has paid for it or I got like a great boost or whatever, but I never paid for it. And so I was looking at prices and the price of the ticket uh, for Boston to Orlando um, was like uh, f- like three something, like the high 300s at, if I just flew like in the afternoon or whatever. But if I flew earlier in the morning, it was 400 um, if I, and if I wanted to fly first class. So I was like, ooh, for an extra like $30 more and flying earlier, I can fly first class in the morning. So that's what I chose. And that's why I kind of reasoned because normally first class tickets are like, the, the difference is too great to make, you know, it's just too much more money. But I was like, 30 bucks, wake up a little earlier, I'll do it. Oh, that's a good So job. I did. Yes. And you know what it taught me? Because I mean, sometimes I'm like cheap to a default. Um, like, because my, my default reaction when it's time to spend money on like things like that is like, no, no. Yeah. And um, I, so I was like, well, look at the numbers, Tiffany. $30, it's worth it totally. And even flying home, there were only middle seats available. And I said, what what I won't do is, a middle C, I can't. And so it was like you could play for priority seating, which was like a little bit more seating, for $22 to upgrade. And I paid it. Oh, goodness. They're, call- they're calling me. Hold on. They're calling me. Like, Tiffany, stop telling these secrets. Um, and so I paid for the $22. And so I told myself, you know who taught me that? Patrice. Patrice Washington. We all, me and Mandy, both love her. We've had her on the show. Um, Miss Money uh, Maven, right? Yes. And so um, Patrice told me once, I, I believe so, Miss Money Maven, um, she told me um, once, she said, you know, that she likes to obviously fly first class. Who doesn't, if you can? And she said sometimes if a, a client flies her out, you know, typically they fl- they pay for your flight, that she will pay the additional difference, like which is maybe like 100 bucks, 50 to 100 bucks for first class, because it's not the whole ticket. That for her, it's like, look, I'm paying 50 bucks so I can fly super comfortably. And I thought, you know what? So that kind of like opened my mind up to like, Tiffany, you know, isn't like 20 or 50 bucks worth it if you can afford it? Plus you can write it off because this is a business trip. And so just opening my mind up to upgrade. So that's my brown boost is that like, you know, that if if you can afford it and I'm, you know, I save, I pay my bills on time, I have retirement, I do all that stuff. And sometimes I still forget to treat myself. And so expect to see me in more first class seats as long as it makes financial sense. I will see you and wave as I walk on by to coach. (laughs) Plus it was nice being like, you know, I was like literally like the only brown girl in there and this lady was in my seat and I'm not going to lie. She was a little bit rude because when I was walking up, she looked at me like, I know she's not sitting here. Meanwhile, she was in my seat and I said, excuse me, my seat. She said, what? So then I was like, oh, see what you're not. I was trying to be nice. So I said like big mistake, huge. Right. I said, ma'am, you're in my seat. And then the real, the, um, the, the, the stewardess looked. And she was like, you know, I showed her, I was like, I'm, I'm 4A, the window. And the lady looked, her face turned red and she looked really embarrassed. I'm like, see, we didn't have to do this because you wanted to act like 
I couldn't sit there. And then she was all, oh, I, you know, I'm just so used to the window. I didn't realize. And I was like, girl, nobody cares. I People sit in seats all the time accidentally, but you were rude. So I had to put you on blizz ass. Yes, brown girl with her locks all up in disarray, sitting next to you in first class. Get into this shoulder shimmy. <laughs> people are rude. Little... Like I, I like religiously check my ticket because I don't want to be embarrassed and like be the person who has to move. Like, yeah, why wouldn't I... you do that? And the thing is, I've you know I've done that before. Usually, I'm like, oh, excuse me, it's my seat, and people are like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. But she was like, what girl? I know you're not sitting in this first class, or maybe I'm just projecting. Either way, I put her on blast, and you know she learned a lesson. Hmm. <laughs> Not today. Not today. Not when Viola's winning awards. You won't treat me like that. <laughs> oh, Viola's speech. Oof, that was a good one. We didn't even talk about Viola's speech. You got to look up. You got to look up her speech. Oh yeah, good. we're gonna say those for wins. I think. I feel like Viola. You know. Okay, you'll do it for your win. But just real quick, I feel like Viola has always has the speeches that you feel like you're about to go off a cliff. You're like, where is she going with this? And like, the second line in her speech was, I want to write about the graveyard. And I was like, oh, Viola, where are you going? But then she brought it back. It was like a history. It was a history book moment. Yes. Okay. You can you can cover that later. <laughs> All right, on to questions. Yeah, what questions do we have? Well, first, if you guys have questions, you can hit us up at brownambitionpodcast.com. Just tap the Ask Us Anything tab, um, or you can email us directly at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. We've been getting a lot of great questions, so let's see how many we can do today, maybe one or two. Okay. So question number one is from Miss Rhonda, and she says, I am, I don't know what this stands for, but S-A-H-M student? I'm a... H-A-M. Passing over that. I'm a part-time student, part-time college student. She says, my husband's, my husband makes a decent salary, but we're $89,000 in the hole due to credit cards, student loans, and medical bills. We have four children. Our oldest is a junior in high school. Our youngest is three years old. I have a plan to get us out of debt, but every time my husband sabotages us. His latest is that we need a bigger house and we can rent out the one we live in currently which admittedly is too small, as a way to help pay for our soon-to-be college student. I agree we do. However, we do not have the down payment and we have this debt. He gets his yearly bonus next week and wants to save it to buy the other house. I want to use it to pay down debt. I've insisted on a slow, I've insisted on us living solely on cash, and I plan to get a job once the kids are out of school this summer. I want to use my earnings for debt repayment in my retirement. He just complains about the budget and says that debt is normal. I don't believe that. Am I doing the wrong thing? Please help. Yeah. Tough. It's hard. Yeah, when your significant other's not on the same financial page as you. Not just that they're not on the same page with you, but they're determined to normalize your yeah. terrible financial situation and dig you even deeper into debt. Yikes. So what I try to do with Superman is I try to find a common denominator, meaning something that we both can like agree upon. Even if it seems random, like what I found as a common denominator in the very, very beginning was his daughter. So like Supergirl is like the love of his life, you know, that's his daughter. And so in the beginning, when I was trying to like get us both on the same financial page, he was resistant. And like similar to that, like, oh, it's not a big deal. Everybody's out of budget. Who cares if my my car note is the same amount as somebody's mortgage? Nobody cares. I've got the car I want. I was like, oh, my God, I'm dying on the inside. 
So then after like trying different things, I recognized, oh, he loves his daughter so much. Let me use that as an angle. And so I used it as, are you saving for her future? And at first he was like, no, you know, she's smart. She'll get a scholarship. And I'm like, well, you know, this is probably true, but let's also have like a plan in conjunction to that. So it started off with him just going to his job and saying, hey, instead of giving me all my money in my checking account, divert some of that to the savings. And I said, well, while you're there, another common denominator was we wanted to go on vacation. I said, while you're there, divert some to a savings account for yourself, a joint savings account for vacations for us and your daughter's savings. So that was like the the end. And then I left it. And then he lived his life. He did what he still had his car, you know, but now he's saving three different ways and paying his bills. And then after like six months of kind of him in that space, I broached another topic. You see what I mean? So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, vacation might not seem like a fun thing or may, might not seem as responsible as like, you know, saving to pay off debt. But that might be a common denominator. Like, let's do this for quote unquote vacation. And that vacation account, the one we originally started like three years ago, has morphed into our um our house account and this is why now he's able to buy a house and you know I've helped him get his credit score together so you know we started off in one place but I knew in my mind I'm not gonna lie that vacation account was always a house account he just didn't know it (laughs) um for for Rhonda I feel like the common denominator has to be the fact that he wants to buy a house but how's he gonna get a house like it qualified for a mortgage they have nearly ninety thousand dollars in credit card and student loan debt like I feel like to get to his goal she could say, you know, in order for us to be in the best position to qualify for a loan for a bigger house, which I'm guessing is probably going to cost more money, you know, we should be working on paying down our debt. Because, like, isn't that one of the biggest, that's the biggest mm-hmm. thing that a mortgage, a loan officer is going to look at. So when, maybe what she could shopping. do is, how about if you guys go shop for a mortgage? Don't let them pull your credit, like we said last week, but go shop for a mortgage. And sometimes it's hard for people to listen to you when they know you. Mm-hmm. So let the mortgage person say, there's no way you have too much debt. That might be income. Well, then that's going to be perfect. Let that mortgage person be like to burst his bubble a little like this is what you're going to need to be able to qualify. Having someone else say it's going to be really powerful. I think Um, that helps a lot, too. So that's what I would do. I would be like, you know what? Let's you know, let's go mortgage shopping. and Just see what people say about our current financials. And then let that person say, honestly, with where you are now, you'll only be able to afford this much house. But if you did X, Y, Z, pay down debt, get your credit to where it's supposed to be, you'd be able to afford more house. So maybe let someone else say it, a professional financial person, someone that he's going to want to hear from because it's a mortgage person. The mortgage person will tell you flat out. Mm -hmm. So I think that's probably the best. Um, the best bet that your common denominator is your mortgage and let the mortgage person be the bearer of bad news. That's exactly what I did earlier this summer when we were, uh, me and my fiance were arguing over whether or not we should buy right now or keep renting. I remember I was like, okay, we were, it was, it was, it was taking up our, it it was like really a problem. We were constantly arguing about it. And I was like, let's hire, I was like, okay, I'm going to hire a financial planner and we're going to have a conversation with her. We're going to show her all of our numbers and have, let's get her opinion. Um, and we did just that and not to brag, but she gave us three different scenarios and she was like, here's what your money would look like if you bought a house. Here's what it would look like if you continue to rent. And here's what it would look like if you bought an investment property and had some rental income. And the worst scenario for our money was to buy a house. And that was sort of like, yeah, that was like a wake up call for him. And it wasn't like me and my nagginess, like, you know, telling him we can't afford it, we can't afford it, or it's not good for us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that at least saved me, it, it bought me some time. 
I'm not going to lie and say that it's like completely stopped being a point of contention, um, his desire to buy a house and my desire to not. Um, but it definitely helped having a professional. And now I, it's sort of like you can blame someone else. Yes. And you can, that's really what it own, is. Like, you can preserve your own, you know, relationship, but then have someone else be the bad guy. Yep. Agreed. Yep. Um, okay. So next question comes from Krista. She says, question for you. I've been considering transferring my money from Wells Fargo to another bank. I wonder why. Mm. Going, going to check out the resources on Magnify Money to choose the best one for me. Good job, Chris. Yeah. Um, my concern is that I've been with Wells Fargo for 18 years. I'm under the assumption that staying with one bank over time would have benefits financially. Are there any consequences for switching? And does it really matter how long you've been with one bank? Thanks, Krista. No, not in this modern age. I think what she's thinking of, right? Because like, I'll say this, if you're with a credit union, like the only time that to me, it makes like a a big, um, it makes a a difference is um, certain banks, like for example, a credit union, they might say you have to bank with us for like six months, three months, a year before you can get a loan, that kind of thing. But typically it's under a year. So anything past that, you're fine. Or sometimes being with a bank is because you've built relationships with the people at that bank, meaning like you and the bank branch manager are super cute, super close. Um, and like when you're like looking for a loan, they look at you more as a person than a number because you're you've been really cool with that bank. But no, like those days are done. People don't really are not don't really get to know the people at the bank like that. And yeah. So if you want to go, girl, go. And it's never I mean, it's people. It's crazy how long people will stick with their bank, even if their bank is treating them badly. I mean, look at Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo just got taken down in this like his, history-making um, um, legal action taken by the CFPB earlier this year because it was they found out that thousands of their salespeople were sneaking behind their customers' back and signing them up for credit card products and savings products and loan products that they didn't really need just to get the commission. Um, yeah, and they're they're facing like a multi billion dollar fine for that, and they had to they just they just like let go half their executive team because of that. Um, so I I don't blame you for wanting to leave Wells Fargo. And honestly, there's so many banks out there that don't. I mean, Wells Fargo has high fees. They require a minimum balance um, for some of their checking accounts. I mean, yeah, like a lot of big banks, they have so much high overhead costs that they pass those costs in in, in down the, to you, down yep. to you in the form of fees. So if you can find a better deal, I, I feel like you shouldn't have you shouldn't feel loyalty to a big bank. I agree. Like if it's your corn, if it's like your community bank or your credit mm-hmm. union, maybe. Although, like contrary to what people think, we've taken a look at credit card credit union fees, and they're not always that much better than big yep. banks even. Um, so at the end of the day, you just don't have, don't feel a sense of loyalty, um, toward anybody, but toward your anybody. money, toward <laughs> anybody. Um, and if you, you know, it's, it's not that hard to ditch your bank. In fact, um, uh, our reporter who had a Wells Fargo account wrote a, wrote a step-by-step guide to, um, ditching her Wells Fargo account and signing up for, uh, accounts at Capital One Three Sixty and Ally, which are online, um, like digital banks that have, yeah. um, lower fees and um a higher return on her savings rate so um i'm gonna i'll i'll take a note and i'll send that to krista and then i'll post it for everyone on the website too because that's that's helpful and that's what i love about magnify money's website is because like before then you would have to like wade through like wait and know each bank and go to their site no now you can just put in like kind of like your um, the, what you're kind of looking for and you could see all in one place what each of these banks is offering. I remember when I was looking to open a business account for my second business, 
you know, Magnify Money was clutch because I was able to put in like on my zip code and like I didn't want to pay fees and see all in one place. They were like banks I didn't even hear of. I'm like, what's Investors Bank? Oh, and you know, and it, so it just was really helpful. So you're in the right place and definitely choose what's best for you, not what's best for the bank. Definitely. All right, guys. So if you have questions, go ahead and email us. Like we said, brandambitionpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the website at brandambitionpodcast.com. Ask us anything is the link to click. So um, I was going to do like, you know, my win to be Miss Viola, even though I didn't even see her speech, but I heard it was epic and she looked amazing. (laughs) I know I'm the worst. That is the lazy. So (laughs) I know, honestly, it has been a week, honey, a week. Okay. So I tried on some jeans that used to be my loose jeans and now I could barely zip them up. You know, when jeans are so tight that you put the button on and the zipper zips down by itself yep. and you're like, what is happening? Yep. And I said, what is happening? And I have put on, I don't even want to step on the scale, but I will later. I can't even imagine what I put on. I need help. I need an intervention. Okay. So this is what I'm asking my brown ambition Folks, because you guys have not steered me wrong. You have got my skin popping with that. I would say the name wrong. The oil with starts with A. Argan oil? Yes. Um, you have helped me with my hair. You guys have helped me with so many things. And now I am asking for help because I... Uh, what happened to your trainer? Yeah, I just couldn't keep up because the thing about her, she's great. Kiana, shout out to Q. Um, the thing is, like... Because, like, I would see her every Tuesday and Thursday, and as long as I can maintain that, I would go. But then, you know, I'd fly here, go here, go there, and then for three weeks, I'd be out of commission. And then getting back started again was very difficult because it was like starting a new regimen every, you know, every time I would leave or go somewhere. So I I have to figure out something because, honestly, like, my whole life, I've been pretty slim. Um, And I'm, you know, I'm I'm definitely not um, fat. And I have to honestly say. <laughs> I can honestly say, like, I'm one of those people that I look in the mirror, and although it's not perfect, I've always liked my body. I'm like, you know, I got a nice little shape, little booty, little thigh action. I like that, you know. And you know, Superman definitely is not complaining. He's like, yes. I'm like, but I really don't want to buy new clothes, and it's getting to the point where I'm like, yo, because I don't buy clothes tight anyway. That's just like, like, I don't really like to wear my clothes tight. But when my like non-tight clothes are starting to fit like club clothes, I'm like, yeah, this is a church dress. So why do I look like I'm going to the going to the club? So I don't know if you guys have any suggestions for. I know it starts with diet. If there's like some sort of program, and and not diet as in being on a diet, but meaning like some sort of like here's some healthy meals day one, day two, day three, so I can just integrate them into my life. And then also some sort of exercise routine, something that I can integrate into my life. The fact that my life does, you know, I'm not in one place for too long. Um, Something like that, because I'm just not really um, appreciating my clothes don't fit. Instead of my win, I'm just asking, what are some alternatives to, because probably sweets are my biggest thing, alternatives to sweets, meaning like I'm a cookie, cake, candy like chocolate girl what are some things where I can get that like I can fulfill that need without having to like you know taking all of those calories I'm like for example one thing I do because I used to have like a, a soda addiction like to like a uh, ginger ale so instead of soda what I'll do now is I will um I have like you know seltzer water and sometimes I'll have like 100% juice like and I won't put much juice but it'll just give it just enough 
like in my seltzer to be like, okay, this is fizzy. It has some flavor. You don't need soda, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so stuff like that. So if you guys have some suggestions, just, just tweet me at the budgetista or Instagram me at the budgetista. And I'd love your suggestions for sweet substitutes, the things I can make at home. Cause like I said, I like cooking, but I'm just like, what is happening? Like I want to, I'm 37 and I want to go into like, you know, my 40s snatched and not looking like, what happened? I used to be so right in sight. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.